from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does his, he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. Let me pray as we get into this passage. Uh, dear Lord, we do thank you for our fellowship together because of your son. Uh, we thank you that you gather us together as a body of Christ. And Lord, we pray that we might live that out faithfully. And so, Lord, I pray as we reflect on your word this morning, help each of us to see our part. Amen. COVID has challenged so many things about the way we do life. Uh, so last week we talked about how it challenges our sense of identity and what it means to be a follower of Christ. And this week we're going to look at how it challenges our sense of what it means to be a church and the body of Christ. So church literally means a gathering. It doesn't have to be a Christian gathering. In fact, in Ephesus, it was described, it was used to describe a, a riot in the city or, or close to a riot. But for the most part, in the New Testament, church is used to describe God's people gathered together in Christ. And as we are gathered in Christ, we gather literally uh, face to face. Uh, but we're also part of a body or a household. And so part of a household and a family is that you're a family when you're in the room together and you're a family when you're apart. Uh, and that's true for us too. So even when we're not in the room, we're still a church and we're still looking for ways that we love and serve one another. 
And so today we're going to look at you know, what that looks like together. Uh, in terms of our mission statement today, it fits very heavily into that space of growing together. Uh, but it also leads to speaking the good news, because as we gather... Uh, People join us from all sorts of uh, situations and contexts. Uh, Lots of people come in as Christians who are committed to being part of the body of Christ. But there's also people here, uh, perhaps today, who come in simply to see what this Christian thing is all about. And so as we open up the Bible, uh, we hope that we encourage the Christians, but also share the good news of Jesus to everyone uh, who walks through the door. Uh, For some people uh, around the world uh, during this COVID crisis, uh, they were committed to meeting no matter what. Uh, So they wanted to be faithful to God's word, uh, where it says, do not give up meeting together. And so they prioritised the salvation well-being of their people uh, over uh, potentially the physical well-being of the people. Uh, So there was a risk, but they thought the risk was worth it. And I suspect some would have been encouraged and perhaps emboldened uh, by the example of Daniel in the Old Testament who disobeys the king when he's commanded not to pray for 30 days. And so what does he do? He goes home, he opens the, the, the windows to the, to the whole world to see and he gets down on his knees probably and prays. Uh, and in the end he knows inevitably what the consequences will be and he gets thrown to the lions. Uh, now God in that particular scenario was gracious and rescues him but of course there was no guarantee that that would be the outcome. Uh, For others uh, and us included we continued to gather but we adapted in terms of our form. So we met online rather than in person and even though we couldn't physically be together in one place at one time and in the one room uh, there were still opportunities to express ourselves as the body of Christ and to use our gifts together. Uh, There is such a thing as godly civil disobedience and I think Daniel is a good example of that but I think for us in our context it's more appropriate to listen to the words of Paul. So Paul says this, he says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. And so that's exactly what we have tried to do over this last six to eight months. In our individualistic, consumeristic culture, uh, it's very easy to make church all about me. I think that was true before COVID, but I think it's perhaps even more true during COVID because it's kind of convenient, isn't it? You know, you wake up, you don't have to get dressed, you don't need to look respectable, you just, you know, whack on your uggies, particularly last July... You know, sit down and you can just do the whole thing and, and, and just, you know, in the comfort of your own home, you have breakfast, tea, you know, it's fantastic. Uh, you can do church, driving to work, all very convenient. And for some, very necessary. But it is a poor cousin to compared to meeting together. Uh, we've all been saved individually by grace and that's what we looked at last week. But we are saved into the family of God's people. And so my hope for today is that we can capture a little bit of the the joy of what it is to be the body of Christ, uh, but also some of the challenges that go along with that. And so as we come into a new year, as we have a little bit more freedom, uh, as we continue to do our live stream, I want us to think through, or take a moment to think through, what does this look like to be the body of Christ for the year ahead? 
And so I'm going to pick up three themes from this passage. Uh, We are united in Christ. Uh, We all have something to contribute and we all have a responsibility. So let's start at verse 1. As prisoners in the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. So unity is not something we aspire to as Christians. Uh, Unity is something we have in Christ. God has already... It's like being a family. Uh, You are part of a family. Now the challenge is, how do you be a healthy, functional family? And Paul certainly knows how frustrating the church can be. Uh, We are saved, we are being transformed by God's Spirit, uh, but we are clearly not perfect. And so it takes genuine effort to keep the unity we have because sin keeps rearing its ugly head. Uh, So we shouldn't be too surprised when people disappoint us because we're disappointing to others. Uh, We all get frustrated and angry. We are selfish and lazy and we are so good at procrastinating. And like I've already said, I've got a memory like a goldfish, which means, you know, we just forget important things sometimes. Uh, It's not necessarily intentional or malicious. It's just part of being human. But then there are other times when we can be genuinely, you know, spiteful and petty uh, in how we behave and what we say. And so in all of those things, they put a strain on our relationships and they threaten to undermine the unity that we have. And that means we need to be good at self-reflecting. We need to be better at looking at ourselves than we are at looking at other people. Uh, We need to be good at at asking for forgiveness. Uh, And we need to be good and quick to forgive. Because left alone, sin doesn't just die. It festers and it multiplies. You know, it's like a bacteria, you know, that eats us from the inside. And that's not good for us and it's not pleasant to watch for anyone who's looking at us. I think there's nothing less attractive than a church that is just driven by disunity and discord. Who wants to come into that? And where's Christ in that? Who gets inspired by that? So as hard as it is uh, to be unified, uh, it starts by recognising who we are together. So starting at verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Yeah, in worldly terms, uh, unity comes from finding like-minded people or having a common interest. So we might have a common interest in a hobby or a sport or, you know, the the same football team. Uh, But for us, unity is more than that. In fact, it's even more than simply having a common interest in Jesus. Uh, Literally, by God's spirit, we are bound together. Uh, So we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so God has brought us together for a reason. It reflects the salvation we have, but we now have a purpose together. And part of that is recognising that we all have something to contribute. 
So from verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. So the quote is from Psalm 68, and it's about God coming into his chosen city, Zion. Uh, But Paul uses it to describe Jesus as the king who's descended from heaven, who died and rose again, and who now leads his people in victory. So the captives in this verse are not the vanquished enemies of God, but those who were enslaved to sin, but have now been given a new allegiance in Christ. And so as Jesus comes into his kingdom, he gives gifts to his people and he equips people for works of service. So verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. Uh, If you read uh, Paul's other letters, so for example, Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 12 or his letter to the Corinthians, also chapter 12, uh, Paul uses the same metaphor but a different list of gifts. So he's not trying to say these are the only gifts that God has given people. But in this particular context, in Ephesians, he's focused on a list of teaching gifts. And the whole point of these gifts is to equip the body of Christ. So the whole body might be built in maturity and built in number. So let me give just a really brief comment on each of those gifts. Uh, The first was apostles. Uh, So that was the title given to the original 12 disciples. Uh, Then Matthias replaced uh, Judas, and Paul is also called an apostle. Uh, So these are people who have been set apart to proclaim God's word in a very particular way and in a very particular time. And so with that definition, we no longer have apostles. Uh, They're a fixed group of people and they have now gone to be with the Lord. Uh, Then there are prophets. Uh, So for us, most of us, we usually think of prophet as Old Testament kind of, you know, gnarly beard guy, slightly crazed. Uh, But uh, for Paul, uh, he's talking about people who've been given a gift to proclaim God's word into a particular context of time. And so they're given a conviction Uh, But simply because we're convicted doesn't mean we are always right and it doesn't mean it's always God's guidance. So again, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says when, when someone has a word of prophecy, they've got a word from the Lord, they're deeply convicted by it, we should still test that by scripture to see if it's actually valid. And so that means if for us, if we've got a deep conviction We need to hold that deep conviction with a sense of humility uh, and to recognise that we can get it wrong, uh, even when we feel it is a word from the Lord. Then we have the evangelist. Uh, So if you know the Bible a bit, uh, Philip, who ran side along the Ethiopian eunuch with with his chariot, he was described as an evangelist. And Timothy, uh, who was also a leader in the church, was also described as an evangelist. But they're the only two in the Bible. We use the word evangelist or evangelism a lot in our sort of, you know, church, you know, sort of lingo. Uh, But in the Bible, it's actually used quite rarely. Uh, But it's used to describe uh, people who've been given a particular gift at sharing the gospel with other people. 
And so that could be inside the church, uh, that could be in your home group, your connect group, uh, that could be uh, walking along the road somewhere, probably doesn't involve a chariot. Uh, But the job of the evangelist is to proclaim the good news of Jesus. I think sometimes uh, we can go, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm not an evangelist, and therefore, you know, it's not really up to me to tell other people about Jesus, which is a good thing because that's quite a risky thing and it comes with potentially all sorts of awkward social consequences. And that would be a convenient uh, sort of get-out-of-jail-free card, but that's not the point of the passage. Uh, There are certainly some people who are particularly gifted, but every Christian has a role to share the good news of Jesus. Uh, Sometimes that will be proactively, going out of our way to find that opportunity. Uh, Sometimes it'll be reactively, that someone comes up to us and says, you're a Christian, what's it all about? Uh, Or tell me about the hope you have in Christ. And then finally, we've got pastors and teachers. And this idea, both both of these ideas are tied together. So pastor comes from uh, the word shepherd. Uh, God is described as a shepherd in the Old Testament. Jesus is called our chief shepherd. And our leaders, including myself, are called to be shepherds. Uh, And the job of the shepherd is to ensure that the sheep thrive. Uh, So my first desire for everyone in this church must always be for your godliness. Uh, So if I ever put friendship first, or if I ever put my need to be liked above the need for your godliness, then I've forsaken my responsibility. And so I need to start by being a godly role model. Uh, I need to ask for forgiveness when I sin. Uh, but I need to lead without fear or favour. So God has set aside all of these different leaders and their job is to use those gifts to prepare the rest of the body of Christ to use your gifts so that the whole body might be built. And that means we all have a responsibility. So verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So taking responsibility starts with recognising that we are valuable. Uh, We are created by the living God, we are unique, we are loved and you are literally God's gift to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I think for some we struggle to see how we are valuable. Uh, We don't feel we've got a whole lot to offer or there's always someone who is more capable than us. And so the temptation is to either feel a a bit sort of, you know, down on ourselves and therefore do nothing or just feel that someone else could do it better so we'll leave it to them. But so often... What we have is not so much about how gifted we are, but how we use what God has given us. And often when we put a whole bunch of little things together, they make a big difference. So we don't have to do everything. Everything is not on one person's shoulders. Everything's not on your shoulders, it's not on my shoulders. But it is on our shoulders. And so often, the the simplest things have the biggest impact. So if you're in the room on Sunday 
uh, then you are saying a whole lot to the people around you. Uh, Even before you've said a single word, you're saying that you take your faith in Jesus seriously. If you are a family person and you come in, then just in a small way, you make it that much more comfortable for other families who walk in the room. Because it's always nice to come in and see someone who we feel we've got something in common with. And that might be true for families, that might be true for older people, younger people, single people. Uh, And that isn't always possible, is it? Uh, Sometimes uh, people come in, they're they're quite different to us, and then we've got to work doubly hard uh, to love them and help them feel at home and feel welcome. And I think that's one of the big limitations of our live stream. You know, I'm thankful that we have it uh, for those who can't be here in person, but it really does limit our capacity to love other people. And certainly if we are at home, if you're watching this at home, then my encouragement to you is how do you, from your position, use your gift? So if you can't be in the room, how can you call people during the week? How can you meet for someone for a cup of coffee or go for a walk? Or, you know, what is your way of loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, for Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians, he takes great pleasure when Timothy comes to him and shares how they're going in their faith. And Paul writes and encourages them. But he also writes and shares just how much he longs to see them in person. So there's lots of relational opportunities here on Sunday, but there's also practical opportunities to use your gifts. And even in your bulletin today, I put, you know, we're going to do a whole bunch of training things to help uh, equip people to use their gifts as we come together on Sunday. Uh, and some of those gifts are going to be up front and others are going to be behind the scenes. And that's okay because we're all different. So if you think getting up the front is, you know, almost a near-death experience, uh, that's okay. Uh, God has gifted other people to do that. And if you think administration or technology is a near-death experience, just get me a hammer right now and I'll feel much better, uh, that's okay because there are other people who have been gifted to do that as well. But moving beyond our gathering together on Sunday, there's also a whole world of opportunity during the week. Uh, For some, God has gifted you with the ability to relate with our young people and you're going to use that gift uh, to serve in our cross-life kids ministry or our cross-life youth ministry. I love the fact that we've got our older youth serving as leader helpers with our kids on Friday and Sunday morning. I love the fact that we've got parents uh, who are involved leading our youth on Friday night. Uh, For others, you've been gifted with just a wonderful pastoral heart to visit people in their homes. That's not a program. It's not particularly organised. You just look for people who need some love and you make it happen. And you'll talk about the weather and you'll talk about sport, but you also talk about the significant things of life. And you can encourage one another in your faith and you can open up the Bible and read it together and you can pray together. I think in all of this, it's tempting to say, you know what, I would love to do more, but between work and getting the kids to sport and seeing the grandchildren and music and hobbies, uh, there's just sort of no time left in the week. Uh, We are all certainly busy, and pleasure is good and rest is good, uh, but if we are followers of Christ, then we do need to make Christ-centric life choices uh, for ourselves, but also for our families. 
And so one of those choices is how we commit to one another, where we say, I'm here for you and you are here for me. So verse 15 uh, sets out the goal of all of our effort. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So speaking the truth in love isn't just about being honest nicely. It's about sharing the gospel with one another, graciously, generously, humbly, so that we might all be mature in Christ. And so as we consider uh, today what it means to use our gifts, uh, let me ask two questions that I hope are helpful. Uh, One, what gifts do you have that you could be using to serve and build the body of Christ? And number two, where could you use those gifts intentionally and sacrificially? You know, I'm always astounded by bees. You know, in the scheme of impressive animals, bees are pretty low on the list. I don't think anyone has gone to ever, any zoo ever to look at the bees. Okay, no one's particularly impressed by the bees, but, but bees working together is quite incredible. And just quietly, they are you know, pollinating the whole planet and without them, we are all in real trouble. Uh, but each individual bee, not very impressive, doesn't have a whole lot to offer. Uh, but of course, collectively, they make a huge difference. You know, as a church, we have been given so much. And who knows uh, what God has in store for us in the year ahead. Uh, but from our perspective... Our job is to use everything that he has given us to do everything we can for the sake of the gospel here in Shell Harbour. And we pray that at the end of it, we will look back and we'll see how God has used that uh, to help us grow in our love for him, to help us to reach more people with the good news of Jesus. Uh, This is not about doing more in terms of a church. Uh, We're doing lots of good things every week. Uh, This is about doing what we do well and using that to make a difference. So we have the opportunity, we have a new year. Uh, I just pray for each of us that we might make the most of it. So let me pray for that. Uh, Dear Lord, as we come to a new year, as things start to get back into normal patterns of life, Lord, I pray for everyone here uh, who's a follower of your son, Uh, that we might commit to using our gifts uh, generously and sacrificially. So, Lord, help each of us to see uh, what we are good at, uh, how you have gifted us, and where we might use that well. Amen.